Thank you for downloading this podcast from Digital Mindfulness. I'm Lawrence Ampofo, and this is episode number 21. Hello and welcome to the Digital Mindfulness Podcast, where each week we speak with experts who are at the cutting edge of humanizing our digital experiences and interactions in digitized society. Today, I speak with Alex Krotowski. Alex has had a distinguished career as an academic and broadcast journalist, understanding how information is diffused on the web. Alex has a PhD in social psychology and has been a broadcast journalist since 1999 when she co-presented the gaming show, Bits. She's presented the Guardian's Tech Weekly podcast for seven years and in 2010 she presented the major BBC series, The Virtual Revolution, which focused on the two decades of change that have occurred since the onset of the web. The series won a Digital Emmy and a BAFTA Television Award and now Alex presents Digital Human for BBC Radio 4, which has just started a new series. Remember, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe to us on iTunes and to our email community, where you'll have access to exclusive content that we don't share on the podcast or on the website. I hope you enjoy this episode with Alex Krotowski. So yeah, Alex, welcome to the show. Um... And I'm really glad that, you know, we finally, you know, our calendars are finally met and <laughs> met in the middle. we can just sit down and have a chat about this now. So, yeah, welcome to the Thank show. Thank you for your flexibility. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, Alex, um, for people that don't know you, um, I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about your backstory. How, how was it that you just got to be um, researching about the ways that people are influenced by the web and digitization? Well, uh, yeah, uh, we could start at the very beginning, or we could <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> do the modern history. Um, basically, in the, I would say the late 90s, early 2000s, I was working on a TV program for, uh, for Channel 4 um, called Bits. It was a computer games program. And uh, after a few episodes, or a few series, because we had, I think, about seven or eight series of that, um, I wanted to do more. So I started working behind the scenes as an assistant producer, sourcing content um, and distributing the games that myself and my two co-presenters were, were reviewing and just, you know, doing a bit more research on what was going on. And what I found utterly fascinating was that um, one of the games was a massively multiplayer. It was Asheron's Call. I remember very distinctly. Um, and I gave that to one of my other presenters and said, go on, see what you get out of this. And I had expected her to come back and say, oh, yeah, it was full of mint-sucking geeks and, you know, just be quite sort of dismissive of it in the way that we were slightly dismissive of that particular genre. Sure. Oh, the irony. She came back and said it was absolutely fascinating because she discovered communities, she met people, people were really nice to her, you know, people kept trying to give her weaponry, they were guiding her in, awesome. you know, and she she felt like there were people who were sort of fighting, you know, to get her to join their gang, not that gang, because that gang's rubbish. Mm. And she came back and said this to me, and I thought, that's really weird, because that's 
that's social psychology. And that's something that I loved when I was in my undergraduate degree. Mm. And so at that point, I decided and, and to, to sort of start exploring it. It was around that time that, um, that a group of academics and also practitioners in the legal fields, in the economic fields, um, and also in sort of general social science fields, um, were looking at these online games as spaces to uh, to study in order to understand human experience, in order to, um, of all things, in order to um, advise governments on, you know, looking at these places as models of human behavior and what can we learn about emergent justice systems? What can we mer- learn about social uh, social evolution of interpersonal structures? Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, this is really, <laughs> this is really deep. And then, and then even further, there was a wonderful article by Julian DeBell in um, Wired in the 2003 one of the one of the one of the months, um, which was called the unreal estate boom, and it was about the real money transfer that was going on. So this is people who were in Ultima Online or EverQuest, so it's that era, who were basically selling uh, on eBay their weaponry or their characters or their properties or all of that for quite significant amounts of money. Some some characters were going between three and seven thousand dollars. And I was like, what? <laughs> All of this put together. It was like this holy confluence of brain melting. Um, and I, I was ready to leave television at that point and decided to explore it further um, and went off and skipped into a PhD looking at social influence in online worlds. Um, I say skipped. <laughs> I skipped in. I, I lurched out. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, sort of five, six years later, uh, really, really fascinated by the social interactions in online spaces. So in the time that you've been like, that you, were stud- that you studied this and you've been fascinated by this, which is about 16 years, do you think that the way that the web influences attitudes and behaviours, th- is it more interesting to you or less well, you know what I found in all of the work that I've done, and literally all of the work that I've done on this, um, as you say, 16 years. So this is both academic and then in my journalistic capacity, speaking with people, lots of case studies, um, really fascinating analyses that I've, I've had the opportunity to do. Um, the extraordinary thing about the internet and computers in the digital world in general is that um, influence, attitudes, and behaviors, these processes are pretty much identical to offline. Um, there are a few differences. There are, you know, a couple of things. And in fact, today's episode of Digital Human, I know, I know this isn't going out you know, today, but the episode that's going out the, when we're recording this interview, I actually got the chance to interview um, one of the, the women who was hugely influential in my PhD research, um, who identified one of the aspects of, of social influence that's, that seems to be slightly different or enhanced online. But in general, all of the processes that we knew as psychologists beforehand play out in, a, in an almost identical way online. And the, the, the conclusion that I've arrived at currently, and of course these things may change, is that um, the reason for this is because the technology itself, all it does is it connects human beings to human beings. It, it itself doesn't do anything to us. Um, it just facilitates our interactions. And when you put human beings and human beings together, social psychology happens. Um, 
Now, having said that, when I was studying, so this was between 2003 and 2009, that was a particular era of the internet. This was just at the very dawn of Facebook. Social networks at that point were kind of, I mean, MySpace was popular, but still, you know, that, that wasn't the, the global revolution. Um, it was a, an amazing revolution, but it wasn't, it wasn't Facebook. Um, we've seen a huge surge of people coming on this, this sort of almost the third wave of people um, flooding the internet to the degree that now um, the internet is even less of a strange place to be. Even at the time when I was studying it, um, it was a little bit of a funny thing to do. Now there's so much internet research and, 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 you know, so much social psychology going on online um, that, you know, that, that yeah, it is the 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 our understanding of attitudes and and behaviors is is more profound. So th- I I think that possibly in the last mm, six or seven years, because of the the different population who's online, and also because of the different ways that we're using it, there may be different there may be different influences, or there may there may be different. Um, there may be different elements, but I think in general, we just have to remember that we're human beings who are interacting online and therefore same rules apply. So why then, Alex, do you think that there are lots of people reporting things like FOMO or um, lots of, they would say, kind of technology-induced, um, I guess, mental states, um, like this fear of missing out? I mean, judging by what you've just said, it would seem that people would have that feeling anyway. They would have a fear of missing out anyway with their social group with or without the technology. That's right, yeah. And what's really interesting to me is that all of the stuff that I know about the about human psychology is writ large. And and I think one of the reasons that that people find the the, the web digital technologies um in general so uh, disturbing is because they're seeing the things that we have been studying for a very long time. They are, they are made explicit. They are laid open. Um, so I'll use community as a good example. People ha- have known within the social science field that community is not a, a, a physically based place. It's not, it doesn't rely upon bricks and mortar for community to occur. Um, certainly some communities operate better if if people have face-to-face interaction but community the the sense of group belonging the sense of of um of identity that comes from being part of a group does not require face-to-face interaction and Irving Goffin was writing about this in the 1960s you know there's there's a lot of sociological research that's been looking at this for a very long time but i think most people had an impression that community was place-based until along comes the internet. And suddenly we're able to see that community, the sense of group identity, the sense of group belonging, is actually not place-based, that it is networked, that it is, that it is, um, that it is spread, that it is diffuse. And, um, and that really freaks people out because suddenly they can see that their communities are global, that their communities operate beyond their, uh, you know, the, the school gates, as it were. Um, and that's, that's a dissonance that I find really interesting because it's, it has always been thus. <laughs> it's just that now people can see it. Now people can actually see the psychology that, that we've been studying that, and they can, they can actually see how influence works because it's laid out, it's permanent, um, and there's, there's a sort of a trail, a record. So in terms of FOMO, you're absolutely right. People have always had a fear of missing out. Oh my goodness, 
gossip columns in newspapers, that's FOMO. You know, like society, that's FOMO. Everybody's always been fascinated by this. Soap operas, that's FOMO. But, you know, when it comes to their own personal lives, um, they didn't necessarily realize it until they saw it laid bare in text and images and videos online. Um, and, and that's, that's, I think where the, where the dissonance comes in. One of the things that we do have in person that we tend not to have on, in a digital world is anonymity, but you say that anonymity is, um, is really important, especially in the digital world. Um, could you just expand upon that? Because I know that's a lot of, that's a lot of work that you've been doing. Anonymity is so important. People automatically think that it means that people are going to go out there and troll, and it's so not true. Anonymity is essential. The ability to be able to to do things without having massive consequences in terms of your social and personal life is essential. You know, when you're young, in particular, because that's when that's when you're messing up all over the shop, right? That's when you're being an idiot and you're making those mistakes that you learn from for the rest of your life. Life, and then and then that's what becomes you. And even as an adult, we all do stupid things, and we need to be able to make those mistakes in a way that isn't like literally spread everywhere. That that importantly, and this is the this is the crucial thing I think for privacy. It's it's not the problem with with privacy online, and that's in quotes, right? That's in, that's in super cool air quotes. The, the problem with that is the is is that it is constantly searchable. It is it is constantly there. It's constantly at the end of a Google search. And if something that happened, you know, ten years ago when you were a stupid kid, right, and you just you did the same thing that all the other stupid kids around were doing. It just so happens that you ended up plastering it on the internet. If that comes up and that's the first result on your search results for your name, then people think that that's you right now. And they, they don't realize that you haven't learned from your mistakes and done those stupid things that every kid does. They think, oh, this person right now who's applying for a job, you know, 20 years later after vomiting outside a pub, um, and putting pictures of it and having their mates put pictures of it on, you know, online and tag you. Um, that's that person now. That person continues to vomit against pub walls. No, that's not the case. They may, but probably not. And so I think anonymity is absolutely essential for our psychosocial development, for our ability to try on and take off possible selves, things that we may or may not wish to be, things that define us. Um, and if we can't do that in a way that allows us the security to know that we can that we can fail and we can fail with no repercussions or at least repercussions that are atomized that are that are contained at that particular moment in time and people can say yes that person has resolved that mess up then we're then people can't develop psychosocially because they're going to be too freaking out they're going to be too you know they're going to be too nervous to do anything. Um, and and therefore, what happens? We you know what then happens? I don't know what happens. I'm not even going to pause it. We probably figure out different ways to be anonymous, and people do. But anonymity is essential for our psychosocial development. And I guess then, if you are constantly worried about the um, the projection of your online self, you always strive to make it perfect. You know, and I'm gonna, I'm doing air quotes here. You know, like you, you always <laughs> you'll always strive to do that, and in which case, it's definitely not an accurate representation of you. Um, of course not. And it's all, and I guess that's almost like a fear-based representation 
Okay. Well, it's also it's also a social desirability thing. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily say it's fear based. I would definitely say it's social desirability. So, you know, every even when you leave the house, you're trying to put your best foot forward. You know, most people most people will um, you know have a shower or whatever. They they may not, but you know they'll put their best foot forward in the mornings and they'll they'll you know get their glad rags on if if needs be and and go to work and they won't you know. They, they, they've got their kind of, they've got their social face on. Um, and they don't necessarily tell their workmates, you know, that, that they had a really rough night the night before because their kid was up 17 times or whatever. It, they'll just, they'll, they'll still be, they'll still be, they'll still have constructed their identities in a particular way. But online, because it is a, it's an even further step away from the self. You have, you have to, through your fingers, actually interact with the online space and so therefore you can you're better able to construct that self and it's it's called you know it's called a super me that's that's one of the that's one of the the terms that's used um to describe that and it's just you know the 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 me plus is who i yeah my bragging rights i'm i'm even more happy i'm even more sad um and it's just it's it's a you know it's diaries <laughs> here's this amazing thing that i've done and here's this terrible thing that i've done and it's most people do recognize that 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 is what's happening that that the representations of their friends are not in fact the true representations they recognize that that happens pew did some research on this not that long ago saying that young people recognize that the super me that is present online is in fact a super me that it, it, it does not necessarily reflect the the individual um, and who they are because they themselves do it you know so yes it, it's it it can be that the self that is presented online may eventually may eventually evolve into a kind of fear based thing but I think I think we just have to remember that not only do we recognize that it's a super me but also we need to recognize that. When somebody does something stupid online, then they sh- that shouldn't be that shouldn't you know, they they shouldn't be called on that for that for the rest of their lives because they will have made a mistake at some point and probably hopefully um, come to terms with that mistake and made it better. Because lots of employers do look at our social profiles or our online profiles and make decisions based on what they see or you know I guess the comments about us. But like like you say if. If you can kind of even look at that content in context, yes. you know, that, that that's just a very small part. That's one night of this person's entire life, and it probably isn't a true representation of them or their work ethic in in this case. Exactly. The you, there is you know there's what's described by many people as context collapse, um, and we need to recognise that context needs to be expanded. Um, what what was that person going through when they posted that? Sure, people don't think about the public environment. They don't think they can't actually recognize that that the public that is potential online um, is so large because it would melt your brain. It would literally melt your brain. So what we were talking about just now is um, like the super me, and isn't our past? Doesn't that make people online trust us more? If we do have a past and it is kind of peppered with, you know, like little mistakes or, or whatever else in, that we've made in our lives. But doesn't our history online, our digital exhaust, doesn't that engender trust? Of course. I, 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 I remember you, yeah, because I remember you talking um, 
um, about this about this once, yeah. and and of course it was on radio. That's the joy of a of a, of a didactic medium. <laughs> Questions, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I remember the the first time I came across this was when um, Gordon Brown, I think, was. They were talking about Gordon Brown for prime minister, mm-hmm. and there was a, a was that Gordon Brown, somebody who didn't have a digital footprint, somebody who hadn't fallen over online, mm-hmm. and people were like, "Who is this guy? I don't trust him. I don't know who he is. He hasn't shown his true colors. Mm-hmm. He hasn't fallen over um, and made mistakes and demonstrated that he's you know that he's that he is human." <laughs> He's just an automaton. And um, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what, what, how that's going to play out. And uh, it played out, interestingly, a few years later. Um, a friend of mine was working for a company. She was having a really rough time. The boss was just a – just they did not get along. Mm. And she said, what, she said to me, what's really interesting, and this is very recently said, what's really interesting is I can't find anything out about him online. And I was like, aha, brilliant. Give me this. Give me this task. I'll, I'll dox him. It's terrible, isn't it? I'll dox him. I'll see what I can find out. Just what I can find out. I'm not talking about like finding his home address and like, sure. I'm not, but just you know, maybe I can dig around and see, see who this guy is. He did not have a digital footprint at all. Oh, did that make me not trust him? Oh, I was like, who? Is this guy? He, you know, he's in his he's in his late forties, early fifties. He had nothing, nothing at all about him online, and he, you know, he was he was a sort of he was the type of guy who who should he you know he had been CEO of companies, he had been this and that and the other. Like even even companies house wreck, nothing. Oh my god! So somebody, it felt like somebody had gone in and just. And just scraped it all away, that it was gone. And that made me so nervous. Yeah. Because I wasn't able, and I'm not the type of person, I never Google my friends. Never. I hate that. I hate the idea that I know something about somebody that they haven't that they haven't revealed. I yeah. like the ankle reveal. I like that. You know, I think that's really it's a lovely part of of developing a relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go in and say, oh, you do this, this, and this. But there was nothing about this guy, and that made me really nervous. So it, that that is obviously an anecdotal personal experience. But I, you know, this is my friend was also a bit nervous about it, and that made me think, ah, I wonder what's going on. But like you say, not even an official um, profile or anything. There was, there was nothing on LinkedIn. There was none of that. And he did have he had one paragraph um, as a bio on the site that she that she worked you know the 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 company that she worked at um they had a website and you know it's not that it's not like this guy was a luddite either you know he wasn't a luddite he was just very savvy and and he had clearly hired somebody to come in and scrub him offline which just made me think who are you and not in a good way not like a who are you like who who are you so um i think that there is there's if you the the nature of the of the way that we interact at the moment is that people people have left digital footprints about themselves um i recently discovered that i've got a pretty 
I've got a pretty robust digital footprint in terms of, you know, most of the stuff that's up there is by me. I've, I've very proactively flooded the web with stuff about me because I figure I'd rather I put stuff out there than other people put stuff out there. Sure, you can definitely find out stuff about me um, that, you know, is that's surprising. I'm like, really, that's online? Okay, I didn't put that on there. I wonder how that got there. Um, and, you know, definitely I'm vulnerable in certain, in certain places, but I've been pretty, I've been pretty conservative about the, you know, not necessarily the content, but the fact that, you know, the, uh, what you see is probably most likely published by me. Um, but many people don't, many, many, many people leave themselves wide open and vulnerable. Um, and you we do, whether we, whether we like it to admit it or not, we do sort of look there and just do a little bit of due diligence and just check out and see what's going on and all this. And if somebody has nothing, nothing, feels a bit suspect. It just felt like he, like he, cause you know, some people don't because this is not their space. Fine. Absolutely. But this, this was this guy's space. He, you know, he, he was a guy who should have, and he didn't. And that made, you know, like my dad, my dad doesn't have a digital footprint because he doesn't, he doesn't require the web in his life. It's not, it's not part of his daily activity. He uses the web, but you know, he doesn't, it's not user generated content, nothing like that. And he's, you know, he's retired, et cetera. So he doesn't need to promote himself. Or anything like that. <laughs> so Alex, then how, like last question but um how do you think then people can be more human mm-hmm. in this in this digitized society on the web yeah i think being more human is more about interacting and well no I, i'll try that again being more human is about recognizing that we are human beings operating via a technology um and the issues that we ascribe to the internet, to the web, to digital space are actually human issues. Um, to be more human is to recognize that the machine itself is not magic. The machine does not do anything to us. Um, we do to one another. And if we, if we have a problem, then perhaps we should have a discussion about this. This is my liberal hat coming out. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> Let's have a group hug. Um, but, you know, maybe we should address maybe we should address our attitudes um, offline rather than pointing the finger at the technology and saying it's the technology's fault. Um, The way to be more human is to recognize that it's humans who are interacting online. And therefore the problems that we have are between humans. They're not between the humans and the technology. Awesome. Alex, where can people find out more about you and your work? alexkratowski.com is a pretty good place to start <laughs> uh, there's there's um, there's a whole bunch of basically if you google me you can find a lot of things um, I, I do a lot of radio so I've got a website called alexmakesradio.com um, and I've got a whole bunch of tumblers as well where I do lots of personal silly projects like talk about how I don't have a car in California um, uh, which is kind of fun and uh, also you know 
I just I just do lots of little projects and end up peppering peppering Tumblr and various other places and podcasts and stuff. But for a kind of a central location, alexkratowski.com is probably your best bet. Alexkratowski.com, and I shall make a link to that in the show notes. But Alex, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, and of course, on Twitter at Alex K, you'll see ah. a lot of stuff, a lot of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you, Lawrence, and have a great afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Alex Kratoski. She shared so much excellent wisdom and insight with us. Remember, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and also for our email community, where you'll have access to exclusive content that we don't share on the podcast or on the website. Until next week, when we share more insights about humanizing our digital world. Take care.